0: This is Shifting Our Schools, Episode Ninety Nine: Giving Students Space to Fail.
1: Be flexible with, with your time and leave some time in the schedule for kids to, to fail, because that's really what's needed in order to they they really need the time and the space to um, to try something without the risk of having it you know negatively affect their their scores listen
0: up educators are you looking to take your classroom to the next level the technological shift in education is happening right now if you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom you're in the right place welcome to shifting our schools with your host jeff udick well welcome back to shifting our schools thank you for listening and subscribing your favorite podcast player if you aren't subscribed, you can do that now. Just search for Shifting Our Schools in your favorite podcast player. You can find us on Spotify as well, which is kind of cool. And also, if you have a Amazon Echo You can just ask Echo to play the latest episode of Shifting Our Schools and we will be in your house with you. That's pretty cool. This technology stuff is pretty amazing, I tell you. I'm loving it. Uh, So great to see that 22 of you have taken the time to rate us in iTunes. Thank you to those who have taken that time to rate us or leave a comment either on our website or on other websites or on an episode or talking about us in social spaces using the hashtag SOS podcast. That's our hashtag SO podcast. Thank you for helping us to continue to build a community of learners. That is what we are all about, building a community of learners to support each other and help us spread the word about our podcast. So thank you for listening, and thank you for continuing to spread the the word about shifting our schools. This month, I'm so excited that we uh, are going to start something new here on the podcast, and that is every month our goal is to give away something free To our listening community. And over the last few months, I've been talking with uh, some different people on how we might do this. And so, what we've decided is we're going to do a monthly giveaway where you'll be able to answer some questions as we build our community and learn from each other. Uh, Every podcast episode, we are going to ask a question that is based on the conversations inside that. Uh, podcast. And then at the end of the month, we'll draw a name from a hat and decide who gets the free giveaway. So this month, we'll be giving away a copy of the book, Classroom Management in the Digital Age by Patrick Green and Heather Dowd. To one lucky listener. I am great friends with Patrick and Heather. Uh, You can hear them on previous podcasts here on Shifting Our Schools, and hopefully we're going to have an opportunity to hear more uh, from them together about some of the strategies also in the book. So this month, the month of November, classroom management in the digital age book can be yours if you enter to win This month's questions. And for the entire month of November, we're going to be asking you to leave us your thoughts on different questions on our Flipgrid account. At the end of the month, we'll put all the names into a hat and we'll choose a name. And this is the cool part every week we ask a different question, which means every week you could enter your name again. So at the end of the month, you could actually have your name in the hat four different times if you've uh, gone to Flipgrid and left us four different responses. Now, how do you leave us a Flipgrid response? Well, hopefully you've used Flipgrid as it's always rated one of my top apps of the year and it still is fantastic app to use with students. And I love promoting it here on the podcast as well. Uh, You can leave us your Flipgrid response by going to sospodcast.org and clicking on Flipgrid at the top or using the flipgrid code if you just go to flipgrid.com it's going to ask for a code that code is SOS podcast and you can do that on your phone or any mobile device as well so our flip grid code is sos podcast or head over to sospodcast.org and you'll see flipgrid up at the top those are ways that you can leave your response to this question we will also be using your responses in upcoming episodes so you'll get to hear uh, all of the responses from everyone who answers our questions in upcoming episodes of shifting our schools as well as so that we can continue to learn from each other and that's really what i'm trying to promote here is all of us we all have are doing amazing things in our classrooms and I just want us to continue to learn from each other. This week, our guest talks all about project-based learning. And as you know, here at Shifting Our Schools, I'm constantly going on and on about creating highly structured, loosely organized learning environments in our classroom when we're using technology. Highly structured, loosely organized. So this week's question is... What structures do you put in place in your own project-based learning environment to make sure students are successful? In order to win a free copy of the book, Classroom Management in the Digital Age, head over to sospodcast.org and click on Flipgrid at the top or go to flipgrid.com and type in the code Podcast to leave your response to this week's question. Again, the question is, what structures do you put in place in your own project-based learning environment to make sure students are successful? I'm so excited to hear all the different ways educators create structure for students to be successful in their own classroom. And this week, Chris Butler and I have a chat with Adam Pollock, who teaches in Hangzhou, China, at a school based on project-based learning. Adam walks us through how this innovative school creates 32 week project based learning experiences for their students. You're really going to love this. And with that on with the show. Welcome to shifting our schools. It's great to have Adam and Chris on the line today. Um, that's great. Adam's coming all the way from Shanghai, my old stomping grounds. So that's fantastic. <laughs> and Chris is coming from the big town of Hood River. How are you today, Chris? It's
2: a big city. I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you?
0: Good. And you said you were having a good day today. Do you want to talk a little bit about your day?
2: Yeah. So the last couple days um, in the district, we've been so we have um PD tech PD days set up at the high school because it's their first year of going fully one-to-one with kids um so trying our best to support the teachers as they roll out that plan and um how do they move forward and do some really cool things with the technology so um this is our second round of tech pd um and it's a 3 day block and basically what we did is it's sort of a push in model um oh, cool but but we um we sent out an invite basically to the teachers to sign up one of the 3 days for um a half a period it's a block schedule so about 45 minutes Um, just to meet face-to-face with a tech coach whether it's me or we have a um, apple consultant here that's working with us and then they have um, a couple of in-building coaches Um, so they just set up a time to meet and sit with us either sit with us during the plan period or to have us come in and observe during their class period and just kind of offer some observations feedback hey i really i saw you trying to do a cool reflection with the students at the end. Here's, you might try Flipgrid next time. This would be a cool way to get um, the students more engaged in their reflection. Or I see you doing some journaling in your class. Um, Here's a tool that you can use. So just offering them real-time feedback on what they're doing, um, what they're looking for. So not trying to do, it's not a PD where we're teaching everybody the same stuff all at once. It's very much what that individual teacher needs right now in real time. So that personalized learning for adults. That's great. Um, And, and so what we've what kind of the next step in that is, and we've already got a lot of these set up with some teachers already is based on what our conversation today would maybe you want to do a co teaching with me in class Mm -hmm. and help you support Learning with the kids, um, maybe you want to have another session with one of the coaches, that sort of thing. So we set up with I set up with um, a pretty brand new teacher, a PE teacher, PE teacher, but her health class. She wants to do podcasting with the kids as a way cool. of them showing showing their learning. So I'm well, like, yeah, let's, let's get after that. Yeah. So right. it, yeah, it's, it's been really fun. It's been good. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Glad you had a great day. I had a good day. I'm a. i was in a training all day with uh, world language teachers and science teachers. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, there was a couple of moments where I don't remember what I said, but the like the whole room went silent <laughs> and you're just like mic drop, you know, right. yep. <laughs> showing them a tool or something. So <laughs> it's always a good Mind's day. blown. Yeah, yeah. It's always good when you know, one of those moments, <laughs> Dave. but, yeah. uh, well, we're really excited to have Adam here. Welcome Adam to shifting our schools. And just to remind you, Adam, that this podcast goes out to about 7 million people. So don't mess <laughs> big big, big audience yeah or three it's somewhere between (laughs) seven million and three we're not sure so somewhere in there um uh no a couple hundred people usually download it and we're very grateful for all our listeners um to listen but uh welcome uh and uh kind of give us your story uh in the big big city well it's actually a small city in china by china stands isn't it yeah Hangzhou is kind of a you know small chinese city of how many millions of people
1: yeah, I think we got got eight, eight million people in Hangzhou, um, which is about an hour away from Shanghai. And um, Thank you guys both for inviting me to be, to be a guest on the podcast. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned to you before the show started, yeah, it's actually my first podcast, but um, I'm, I'm a listener and I, I've always wanted to uh, share, share some of the cool things that we're doing at our school. So I'm really excited to be here. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, cool.
0: Talk a little bit about um, how you got into education. How'd you get? How'd you end up there? What, what kind of? What's been your path?
1: Yeah, it's kind of been a winding path. My first teaching job was actually a uh, ski and snowboard instructor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, my high school job during the winter. Yeah, I nice. um At this local place uh, just outside Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, where I'm from. Um, so it's kind of just like a cool thing to do after school for a couple hours um the pay was horrible I think I got six (laughs) dollars an hour which was only only when I was teaching lessons so sometimes (laughs) during early and late season I'd get there and not have any lessons and not go home with any money but definitely go home with a few good stories and yeah uh, as much time on the uh the slopes as I wanted there you go yeah and then from from there um yeah I uh I joined Teach for America after Mm -hmm. university. So I taught for two years in a a Title I school in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I did a brief stint uh, with a basketball team, actually. After that, I got a cool opportunity with an NBA Development League team. And then, um, yeah, at that point, I knew that I wanted to move abroad. I had a friend who taught in China and said, it's just a really happening place. This was back in, uh, 2008 mm, cool. and yeah, it seemed at the time and it, it still seems that China is kind of what everybody's talking about. It's always in the news. Yeah. Especially now in the last couple yeah. of years. Um, and I kind of just wanted to see what was happening. I wanted to see how the country had grown over the past couple of decades. Uh, I knew that there were as many, people learning English in China as the entire population of the US so I knew there were a lot of opportunities for that I got connected to a school a very small private school that taught English to Chinese students and yeah I took I took a big leap of faith I bought a one-way ticket and ended up in Hangzhou where I've been for the last 11 years or so from from there I Uh, started work at an international school uh, that has a really cool model so this is a an international school that's based in Hong Kong and they have a special uh, campus for their ninth graders that they built in Hangzhou and it's the first opportunity for these students to live away from home so it's a a special one-year boarding campus and we do a lot of cool stuff so we we kind of because we're far away from the mothership we kind of (laughs) get to take a lot of risks and i'm really excited to talk about some of the stuff we do yeah cool very
0: cool so you only have ninth graders and is it so are you it's a boarding school so are you you have a room or something there at school or, or do teachers take turns or how does that work
1: yeah we have uh, six teachers, they're called um, head of house. Okay. And they oversee one-sixth of the student population. They live on campus. We have a director and a assistant director. And then we employ uh, 12, we call them coach mentors. Okay. And they are recently graduated um, Chinese um, People who oversee kind of like what, what an RA would do at a okay. college university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, making sure the kids get up on time and making sure they're getting to meals. And um, they run a session called Family Time, which is an opportunity for students to come together and, um, and, and, and talk about how they're doing outside of classes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so, yeah, we've got, we've got call- a great um staff of uh uh, people that live here on campus uh i don't i i live off campus but we all have i i'd say more duties than you would in a typical school (laughs) yeah cool and uh, all your
0: all your students are chinese or hong kong
1: yeah so um our school promotes bilingual education um most of our students, I'd say about 90% of our students are English first language speakers. Okay. And then I'd say about, um, I'd say about 30% of them are also Chinese Hmm. speakers from birth. Okay. And then the rest of them are uh, a a variation. So we've got um, maybe 20% of our students have very limited Chinese skills, so it's kind of mm-hmm. all over the board, but the language of instruction is English, but we highly okay. promote um, Mandarin, and in Hong Kong, the, the language that's spoken is Cantonese, so there's quite, quite a few languages going on. It's a really exciting mm-hmm. and, and dynamic place to be. You
2: know? Yeah, sounds like it, yeah. Cool. So... So Adam, we originally connected, and I'm not even sure how this timeline actually breaks down. So, um, I think you were listening to the Project Based Awesome podcast that Aaron and I were doing, and then we connected via the um, the mastermind group on Voxer. Is that correct, or was it Twitter first?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I don't somewhere, remember somewhere, something like that. But yeah, I know exactly. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And so you shared some of the things that you guys that you were doing in your class and I we really wanted to get you on that podcast it just never worked out but I was super stoked like you were going through things I was like oh that's awesome I want to hear more about that <laughs> so I'd, I'd love for you to kind of talk about your classroom what's going on in there um kind of what what j- yeah just walk us through um because you're doing a lot of the project-based stuff but it's it was really cool when you were breaking it down for me before I'd love to hear more about that
1: yeah definitely so As I mentioned, we're we're a little bit apart from the main campus, so we get to take a lot of risks. And one of those, so a major shift that we made a couple years ago was taking four subjects, four normally standalone subjects, and those are social studies, arts, science, and design. And we basically run a series of interdisciplinary projects throughout the year combining those subjects. So, I my specialism is social studies but I rarely teach social studies as it happens in a conventional classroom it's always in the context of some other subject Um, so we really push experiential learning we make sure that what the students what the students do is a really in-depth project um, that has a lot of authenticity Mm -hmm. Um, and we really Push student voice and choice, student inquiry. So, we're really trying to make sure that that what students are doing in the classroom um, is what they're interested in, and mm. and based on the knowledge and skills that they already come in with. Um, so, how, for, so for example, how are you
0: making sure they're hitting standards and stuff? Like, are you a standards-based school? Like, how do you keep track of that? That's such. That's so awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Our campus in Hong Kong uses international baccalaureate, and that is kind of what we're modeled after, okay. but we've, we've realized over the years that um, there's certain things that we want to do that are a little different, so we've, we've, we've got that as our general um, historical framework, but we've kind of pulled back from that and developed our own curriculum.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Um, but a lot of the standards that we, we hit, for, for example, in, in my classroom, we want to test the knowledge and understanding that students develop throughout the unit. We want to test the research skills. Um, we want to measure the communication. We want to measure critical thinking. And we have uh, standards and rubrics that, that we go through with students to make sure they're hitting those targets.
2: Okay, so can can you walk us through kind of a an example? Like, what is it? What does your class look like? What is it? What are you? What are the kids doing? What are you doing?
1: Sure. So right now, um, I am co-teaching a class with the design teacher called "Designing Social Change," hmm. and, and uh, we are using design thinking, and we are challenging students to identify. A current issue in China that they connect with, that they care about, and design a solution to it Wow, and yeah, how, how we started that unit is we invited some of our Chinese coworkers to introduce a topic that they're familiar with, and we had a series of roundtable discussions with our students so that they could get an overview of some of the the current issues that are happening in China, for example, one of them was um feminism and how women in China are, um, are are treated in the workplace and how those attitudes are, are changing. So we had these series of roundtable discussions by somebody who really understands it, somebody who's from China, and then from there uh, we had students do a little bit of their own research, identify a few topics that they'd be interested in learning about, then they found students in the room, and this is a a room of about 30 students. They Mm -hmm. found another student who was also interested in that topic. And then we've taken them through the design cycle, beginning with building empathy. And that's kind of of the key here. And what i found that students often overlook or uh, move too quickly past, is that building empathy phase. Mm -hmm. And especially our students having grown up in Hong Kong, um, which is part of China, but obviously has a long history of being under British rule. And these Mm -hmm. students are coming in with oftentimes very different attitudes Mm -hmm. than uh, local students that you'd find here in Hangzhou. So, we really have to spend a lot of time in that building empathy phase so that they can develop an understanding of, of what people in this city, um, how, how their attitudes are and experiences are.
0: Yeah. So, you talked about like one of the research questions might be like uh, uh, feminism or, f- or females in the workplace in China. What are some of the other questions that kids have kind of come up with? What are some of the other ones that are kind of floating around your classroom?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a variety of issues. Students have, uh, looked into, um, looked into, let's see, we've had animal rights. We have had, um, left behind children. So left behind children are students whose parents have had to leave to go to a bigger city for work. Mm -hmm. Which is a common theme in China right now, and yeah. students are left behind in their rural villages, usually to be raised by their grandparents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of issues that deal with the wealth gap in China right now. Yeah. Well, the last couple of decades have seen uh, many people become rich, but a lot of people stay um, stay in poverty. Yeah. Some some of the other topics that that have been covered. Uh, by students have been access to healthcare. We've had a lot of students that are interested in sustainability. So we've had students cover um, single-use plastic, uh, water quality. Um, some students, and I found this topic to be really interesting. They they've noticed you know what's going on with the protests in Hong Kong right now. We've had some students look into. Um, the relationship between hong kong and mainland china and they've looked into some of the issues of discrimination that occur uh between both sides what Um, a great project
0: like you to your point you know um that that when you're going through the design cycle that that ability to to be okay being in that empathy stage you know when you bring up a hot topic like that to be able to basically, you really have to dig in and understand the other side before you can ever try to figure out what a solution might be. Yeah.
1: You know, and I... And I, I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, we, we've, we often see students kind <clears> of rush <throat> past that phase because they're so excited about, you know, they wanna build an app.
0: Yeah, they wanna fix it. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And then they 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 rush past the empathy phase. They start learning some coding and learning how to how to design an app. And then they get so far into it that uh, they somebody asks them a question. Well, um, have you have you have you tested the fact that people would actually use this app or like what, can can you tell me more about why this solution is is needed and then they have kind of a, a disheartened realization oh. that actually the, the <laughs> whole the whole premise of the app is not really in line with, with with what with what people really want.
2: Yeah. Or
0: need.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so Adam, that kind of brings me to a couple so, some thoughts, a question. So I hear you talk about some, some keys to make this style of learning work, the, the design phase, the design thinking phase, the um, really digging into the empathy work and that sort of thing. Um, if I'm one of our 10 or 15 listeners of this podcast and I'm sitting at home and I'm right. going like, this sounds awesome, but how, how do I go about doing this? What, what would you say are some keys to being successful or even talk about like, I tried this and it just didn't work?
1: Yeah, um, to push Jonas (laughs) Pot. We, I think we're in a pretty good place with this unit, but this is like the sixth iteration of this unit, and Mm. it has not been, um, you know, A to B to C to D. Like we've we've really done a lot of hard thinking. Um, We've had to go back to square one a few times, and Mm. I guess the first piece of advice and this is advice that, that I got, uh, when I started, you know, when I started project-based learning is it's not going to be pretty. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You, You really have to be willing. You, you have to know that going in and it, it does help to have an, an administration that's that is willing to give you the time to fail just as we should be willing to give our students time to fail and be understanding that
0: that well what i'm what i'm hearing you saying is you almost have to be willing as a teacher to take your project design through the design cycle yourself like you have to Mm. you have Mm -hmm. to be able to iterate go back replan blow something up that didn't work this worked how do i grab that piece how do i grab this piece and understand that it's never going to be perfect yeah right that it's a constant working process
1: yeah i think you're right and um i guess in in that way in a sort of metacognitive way we're we're um we're sort of developing empathy for our students right right yeah Yeah. exactly yeah um yeah i would say uh making sure there's an authentic purpose. So we, uh, this unit culminates in a charity gala Mm. and the students are working towards an event where they are presenting their solution in front of the entire staff at our school. So they, they come around and they, they ask, they ask questions uh, to the students, Uh, you know, what's your issue and what solution did you create to address this issue how did you test it um what what process did you go through and our, our students describe that to the teachers and the teachers are actually given fifty dollars of play money mm-hmm. and they they choose which projects to Fun. to donate mm-hmm. to <laughs> and yeah. cool. projects that receive the most money our school actually donates real money to the charity of their oh, choice. Wow, How cool is that? Cool. That's great. So yeah, in that way, it's, yeah, that charity gala is sort of a simulation, but it, it, it is authentic because the students are actually receiving money if they come in first place. How powerful is that? That's cool.
2: So what does a typical
0: day look like for one of your students? Like, are they going to a traditional 50 minute period or a three block? You know, bell rings go on to the next class. Or have you changed the structure of what a day looks like from a student end in order to do these these kind of project based approaches?
1: Yeah, um, a day looks super busy, and we have extended periods for a lot of the students. Depending on what type of unit we're working with, some units require. Students to go off campus and do interviews with people in the community um, at a location that's not particularly close to school. So for those units, uh, we have class periods as long as four hours long, and that that would be the whole morning. So students would would have the opportunity to to leave campus at eight a.m., travel for forty five minutes, conduct interviews at a, a factory or a or Company a or tourist yeah. location mm-hmm. and then come back to campus. And yeah, that, uh, we've got somebody working pretty hard to manage the schedule. And I know that's probably not feasible at a lot of schools, but having that flexibility of being able to have short periods, long periods um, can really make a big impact on what students are able to do.
0: Mm, I like that. That's great.
1: And because this is a boarding school, we, we have six days a week of lessons. So, yeah, students are, are working pretty hard, but we, we give them nice long vacations. And the teachers mm-hmm. get nice vacations too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it goes both ways, right? Uh, how many yeah. students do you have? How, how, what are we talking? Your class size, like your, your like, traditional class size, and how many students total in your school?
1: Yeah, so we have 113 students in okay. our school, 113 mm-hmm. ninth graders, and class sizes range from as few as six in a specific level of a Chinese class to as, as high as 30 in one of our interdisciplinary project-based learning units. Okay.
0: So when you're going through these units like this, how are you making sure that you're, you're Weaving in your social studies—I don't know—I'm, for lack of a better word, standards or outcomes or, you know, the the stuff that IB says. If that's kind of what you've you've adopted, how do you make sure kids are still hitting those in in a project like this?
1: Yeah, so we actually—and I—I know this sounds crazy—but we actually don't have any required content that we have to teach in social studies in year nine. We work with the school back in Hong Kong to make sure that there's um, no direct overlap and rather we're able to pick up on a few concepts that they've taught in previous years. But yeah, we really just want students to focus on issues that they're passionate about and issues that are, they can see happening in Hangzhou. Um, And yeah, for the teacher, that can be quite intimidating. Um, Teachers that aren't used to to this style of learning might feel that they have to be experts in a variety of different areas. But actually, it's it's cool, because I hope that by the end of the unit, every student is able to teach me something. Like, they they get to the point where they, they... they learn enough to to be able to teach me. I'm doing a little more input in the beginning of the unit in terms of teaching the design thinking cycle and providing some context for the current issues that are going on in China. But then towards the middle of the unit and and towards the end of the unit, on a typical day, I can be found going from group to group with my iPad. just kind of sitting down with the group seeing where they are sketching out mind maps and um, asking critical questions are are you sure this is going to work um have you tested this can you provide some evidence have you reached out to um to to primary sources uh are you looking at social media for for some answers to these questions so yeah it's it looks chaotic during most of the unit but i can tell you with great confidence that when we have that charity gala you've got a room of 30 students that are persuasively and passionately talking about their issue and the issue continues after the unit these Mm. students are passionate about these issues for the rest of the year and We've, we've had some really positive reports of students that continue um, pushing these issues even when they go back to Hong Kong. Wow,
2: that's great. yeah, That's amazing. So Adam, um, talk to me a little bit about what uh i mean it's a fact of school what is what assessment looks like i mean i know you have the the final the gala at the end which is amazing um but is it are kids receiving letter grades is it a competency-based assessment um is it do you have specific rubric? like what does that look like as you're going through this process
1: yeah so we have a rubric uh for this particular unit we measure Uh, Knowledge and understanding. So the Mm -hmm. students have a learning journal, which is a Google Doc that's shared with um, their group members and the teacher and teachers are able to uh, provide feedback and comments on that Google Doc Um, We look for, you know, is there a wide range of sources? Have students um, analyze those sources? Uh, to indicate, you know, um, when when did the source appear, is it a reputable source, um, do they have uh, primary sources that they've reached out to, um, if they don't get a response, what's the next action that that they take. So, we look for the knowledge and understanding that they demonstrate. So basically mm-hmm. what they've learned. Yep. And then we look at how they've, they've learned it. And that's the, the research part of it. And then we look at how they're able to communicate that information. Is it a way that is appropriate for the audience? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we usually use some peer feedback to help with, with the grading. So... The other students will, um, will provide a number score based on a rubric um, that indicates whether that resonated for them. Um, and we're able to take results from the charity gala. If students received a large amount of money, then yeah. that tells yeah. us that they have uh, created something that has resonated with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and um is is it is it something that they've showed critical thinking have have they uh in have have they added to their their learning journal a mind map that 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 shows um that shows their critical thinking have they shown how they've they've tested their product and uh used the results from that test to then go back and create a different version <laughs> um yeah it's it's um, it's not as straightforward. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, as, I simply, giving, <laughs> uh, yeah, as simply giving a you know a a ten question quiz, right. yeah, um, which I've also done in, in the past. But you know, if if we're really going for for meaningful learning here, mm. uh, this is the way to go.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think the thing that I love about this is what you're talking about is we treat teachers like professionals and you know exactly where the kids are, Mm -hmm. what the kids are thinking, you know, and you don't need a, lack of a better term, standard assessment to tell you that. I mean, every teacher I talk to could probably point out every kid in their classroom and say, yeah, that's my A kid or that's my seven kid. And that's my four kid. And that kid Mm -hmm. is the one I have to work with all the time. Like, we just know that, right? And and what you do is you're setting up a structure that allows you to be a professional. And you students still have to show evidence. There is still evidence involved. But that evidence isn't 10 questions on a quiz. Right? Here's my question to you. Adam, do you could you ever go back to teaching in a regular <laughs> classroom like seven periods a day, 50-minute periods? Could you ever go back to doing that after this or do you just or or would you feel like you were you would lose something if you did that? I mean, you could, of course, we all could, but do you just feel like what do you see the difference? Like what is your What's your difference between like that kind of traditional experience we have, and and what is the, what in your in your words, what is the the feeling and experience that you have as a teacher, in this kind of setup, and and that feeling for students as well?
1: Yeah, um, I don't I don't think it has to be one extreme or the other. I know that students in a very conventional classroom that is teacher directed, they they have a thirst for this kind of mm. flexibility and choice but i also know that i've i've seen kind of the other extreme where it's all about students guiding their own learning and very little input from the teachers and i i've actually seen students wish for a little more mm. teacher input and actually be glad when there's a short lecture from yeah. from the teacher, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think there's there's room for for both, yeah. And I think it might be dependent on the school setting, on the teacher, on the students, and yeah, there's you know just like life, there's there's no there's no one path.
0: Mm. I love that idea.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I think
0: especially here in in my state, that's like the word of the year coming down from the state is that we need to set up multiple paths for students to be successful. You know, and so this idea that that a path like this works for some kids. But even like you're saying is some kids are saying, I wish it was a little more structured, for lack of a better term, uh, in in a way that, you know, there's a little more teacher driven. and, And that works for some kids. Right. That's a path that some kids need and, and how do we allow or how do we create a system that allows students different paths within the same structure that is school
1: yeah um i totally agree with you <laughs> yeah. so what
0: what what, what does a unit look like so you're going to finish this unit and i, I can already tell that I, I already know there are probably some <laughs> teachers listening to this are like oh this is amazing but this is also just your culminating activity Right. This is not the way that school runs every day. Like you're going to have this gala and then after the gala, you're going to go back into a seven period, 50 minutes a day. Or do you like what happens after this? Is there a new essential question? Is there a new you're now working with a different teacher, not the design teacher? Like this is just the way school works or is this just a project within the greater school setting?
1: Yeah, so this is a 32-hour project over the course of five weeks or so. And then I'll actually repeat this same project with another group of students oh, okay. for another five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we'll start a new unit. Um, mm. Instead of partnering with design, I'll partner with science. And we're still working on what the unit's going to be about, but we're thinking energy, uh, particularly solar Solar power. There's been a big push in mm-hmm. China now to implement um, solar energy and sustainability, and I think we're gonna go down that path. And I don't know. We we might we might end up having students make their own solar panels. We might mm-hmm. visit um, uh, a, a a car factory um, that's making electric cars. I I'm not really sure we'll we'll're working on this unit right now, and, <laughs> and see, yeah, we'll see what happens yeah that's well, I, great. I, I hear there's yeah.
0: a big new one right outside of Shanghai. you can take your kids
1: to, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, they just uh <laughs> the new Tesla factory, right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Gigafactory yeah. three just started
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's actually a great idea, and Shanghai's not too far away, and uh yeah, we love. We love we, we, we love taking a little trip there and getting some, some, some good food that we don't always, always have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you have the bullet train, right? You've got the bullet train. You guys can get there now. and We do. It's
1: crazy. It, it feels like you're, you're flying in an airplane very low to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, these super fast trains in, in, in China, um, it's, it's amazing what they've been able to build in the last... 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah. I know. I'm jealous every time I think about uh, what was being built when I left uh, China, when I left Shanghai in 2008. Mm. And I've been back to China a couple times since then and I'm just like, oh my gosh, life would have been so much easier. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just incredible, the roads, the, the um, infrastructure, just stuff that was being built that's now there. It's just
1: incredible. The internet is still a struggle. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if that was a problem when you were here but the, it had just
0: started to be a problem. They just okay. started to <laughs> lock stuff
1: down. Hence yeah, the reason I moved to Bangkok. <laughs> yeah, the the great firewall prevents us yeah. from accessing yeah. a lot of a, a lot of websites that that we're, we're used to. So we we all, we often have to have a plan B and a plan C when it comes to using certain certain tech tools in class. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah. I will tell you this though. Your great, the Great Firewall of China is not as restrictive as our public schools here in the United States. Mm. Yeah, that we filter our kids at schools way more filtered than you are in China, and yet you get all the news, and nobody's talking about the handicap we do to kids in
1: schools. Yeah, here in I think the you States. can make a pretty strong case there. Yeah, don't like, get Jeff started. I, oh, don't get me started. I've
0: lived on both sides of that wall, and I can tell you, our kids here are way more at a disadvantage than your kids behind that great firewall.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and chatting with us about your school and the setup there. And I, I just love this because uh, the school I've been working with this week is actually designing a uh, a new section of their high school that they want to be project based learning, and they're really struggling with. What does that look like and how can you do this? And are there schools out here that have a different bell system that have a different way that teaching can look for 32 hours? Um, And how do you rotate kids through that? Like, I love that idea that you've got these small groups of kids that really get to hone in and focus on something for an extended period of time. And -hmm. then it's a new set of kids and you can take the same set of kids through that section, and then you partner with another teacher and do a, a, a different topic. And I think that's just such a great approach. And it is something I feel like can be implemented at any school.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, I think a big part of it is making sure that it's authentic, making sure you give students a lot of choice, and being willing to uh, be flexible with with your time and leave some time in the schedule for kids to, to fail because that's really what's needed in order to, they, they really need the time and the space to, um, to try something without the risk of having it, you know, negatively affect their, their scores.
2: I love yeah. that. Yeah. I so agree. And I'd I be think, okay with it being messy.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think also as a teacher, you have to be willing to fail, Mm -hmm. try something, iterate, be able to be honest with kids saying, ooh, that didn't work today. Or that didn't work. We're going to try this different. Like you have a new set of nine kids coming in and, you know, 32 hours later or 10 kids coming in to be able to say like, Oh, well, here's what we learned from the last ones that we're going to adjust or structure more or unstructure more based on feedback. And so as a teacher, you also have to be a constant learner as well and be willing to adjust. You know, and I think that's something that I love that has come out of, out of your conversation today too, is that, you know, like you said, this is the sixth time you've done it and it doesn't look the same and it never will, (laughs) you know, and I, I, the thing I'm always telling teachers is you have to get to a place where you are okay, constantly being a beginner. And we have to understand that in this fast paced world that we find ourselves in, you're never going to master anything again. (laughs) And that either excites you or freaks you out. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and if you live in a world where that excites you, it allows you to innovate quickly, and you're just like, oh, that tried fail. Like you're saying, space and time to fail, yeah. try again, not be judged by your failure, try it again, fix it, and move on.
1: Yeah, what yeah. the students doing in the classroom has to represent what 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 they're going to be doing once they leave that classroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. love it. Yeah, transferable yeah. skills. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, cool. Adam. We will let you go. You're getting ready to start your. <laughs> thursday thursday morning there wednesday next uh, yeah so, yeah uh, excellent so i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule i always know how hard it is as teachers to get away and make space for your own reflection and your own time to share so uh we really appreciate it and i know chris had to run home from school to be here yeah. as well so <laughs> yeah
2: running through meetings yep
0: yeah chris i appreciate it as well so absolutely thank, thank you gentlemen really appreciate the time for conversation all right
1: thank you, yeah, thank you. love being here